0: VIC Fellowship, and VIC stands for Vaccine Information Coalition. You're listening to Progressive Radio Network, the most listened-to, commercial-free, and truth radio program in the world. My name is Renee, and the title of our show is What in the Cell is Going On? We are on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, which could be accessed live on prn.fm, or later on the front page of our vacinfo.org website. Today, our guest is Jeremy R. Hammond. Uh, He's an independent journalist, political analyst, author, writing coach, and publisher and editor of the Foreign Policy Journal. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. I just watched your first video ever, and uh, (laughs) the one you just did last month uh, for the Vaccine Choice Canada um and yeah i i I never even knew of you other than base camp uh robert f kennedy's uh, child health defense i saw you post a couple times but uh other than that i we're just being introduced now so um you know i'm excited about that
1: (laughs) great
0: (laughs) yes and uh, i noticed you wrote an amazing book i was just on your website and i will be taking time to listen to other videos i noticed you just posted a new one since the one that i watched with uh the Vaccine Choice Canada, and I'm um, very excited about that as well as your book on the five horrifying facts about the FDA vaccine approval process. So enough of me talking. Why don't you just introduce to our audience what you do, who you are, and how you're exposing um, or being a voice for the voiceless, as I like to say.
1: Sure. Well, I, I'm just doing independent journalism. Um, you know, I'm just fed up with the, the lies and the deceptions we're told. Um, so, essentially what I do is I, I kind of specialize in, in exposing state propaganda that's designed to manufacture consent for dangerous, harmful government policies. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of got started doing independent journalism focused on foreign policy, mm. uh, but it, over time has shifted, it's, it essentially, since uh, my son was born, I've been focused um, you know, increasingly on vaccines, and now you know for the past couple of years entirely on the vaccine issue, and then over the past year uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, focusing on that and, and the authoritarian lockdown responses to it, uh, along with of course the mass vaccination endgame of those lockdown measures. Um, and so that's that's been my focus, and I and that that is really what I do. I mean, I, I essentially take what is what the public is being told in the mainstream discourse, and I dissect it and. And show how people are being deceived and lied to, and, and uh, also, and also how true information, factual information, is being censored. People aren't aren't allowed to be exposed to it. Whereas, you know, you have these fact check organizations in Facebook doing, um, you know, these these fact check type of things, uh, supposedly fact checking information, but at the same time, they're 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 approving of, and then they also misinform people in these fact check articles. Uh, so certain types of inf- information, certain types of misinformation is just fine, according to their standard, as long as it you know suits the narrative, as long as it serves the, the political agenda being served.
0: That's right. And I noticed that you had learned why so many people don't want to hear the truth, especially about this COVID injection. Can you explain to our audience what you've discovered with that?
1: Well, when you say so many people, do you mean members of the public or, or people yeah, who are, yeah,
0: just the sheeple out there?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's um, that's a great question. Uh, the, 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 my answer is this: it's, it's it has to do with what I what I call the vaccine religion, which mm. is a subsect of the uh, what I call the state religion, and I'm borrowing state religion a term from Noam Chomsky. Um, who, incidentally, when I use the phrase manufacturing consent, I'm also borrowing that from Noam Chomsky and Edward Herman, um, who in turn were borrowing it from Edward Lipman uh, in their book. Um, manufacturing consent, the political economy of the mass media. And it, it really has to do with this, you know, there's this, there's this belief uh, among most members of the public, this faith in government, that this, mm-hmm. this faith that the government is taking care of us and we can trust the government and, you know, we can trust the CDC, we can trust the FDA. And, you know, we, we, historical you know, examples like su- such as, you know, the, the lies that we were told about the, the Iraq war and, and, you know, how the government just repeatedly, consistently, routinely lies to us all the time. And this idea mm-hmm. that we're supposed to just trust government, you know, and then we have the, the media, the same thing. The Iraq war is a great example of how the media um, serve that role, that serve that function of manufacturing consent. Um, and so this idea that we're just supposed to trust, you know, like public health authorities, you know, when Facebook does fact checking, how, how, do how do they determine what's true and what's not? Well, they, they just rely on, you know, public health authorities. is as though, you know, the people implementing these policies, as though the the people behind these policies are the people we should trust to to tell us, you know, the truth about these policies and and tell us, you know, and be honest with us. Uh, Obviously, that's that's a conflict of interest, and yet this is the standard that that has been adopted for all these fact checking types of uh, uh, efforts that are out there right now, um, which are serving to uh, censor true information at times. Not not that everything that they, they are fact checking is I mean, there are a lot of there is a lot of misinformation on both sides, and that's mm-hmm. part of the trouble. And that's exactly why we need to be able to see some other other points of view. We need to be able to be exposed to different perspectives and and different points of view, and and, and, and judge for ourselves. I mean, they're treating us like we're stupid that you know, we can't figure out for our, figure things out for ourselves and, and understand for ourselves what's true. And it's really insulting to our intelligence. Uh, and, and you know, so I, I'm all for freedom of information. I, I want to see. You know, as many it, it, this is this is what I do in my research. I, I try to get gather information from as many different perspectives, as many different sources as possible, and then of course you're going to find conflicting information, and so that's kind of what I you know I'm, I'm skilled at in in my in terms of my research and my writing is being able to kind of synthesize the information in a way that that reconciles the contradictions, and so um, you know, the truth kind of emerges. And you're able to make sense of things by by doing this kind of synthesis of uh, data analysis, if you will, um, informational analysis. So, um, and that's, that's that really is the focus of my work is to try to um, to to make sense of things for people, help people, help uh, help people understand what's going on, and, and help them make sense of what's happening. Um, and you know, and this is a skill I think that all of us, not not just journalists, should have, but every single news consumer should have these types of skills. And so I don't want to just kind of give people information and give my own perspectives and things, but um, really kind of walk people through my own thought process in my articles so that they can kind of, you know, kind of help train news consumers to to be able to kind of do these things on their own and and have the same types of skills and in terms of resource analysis and types of things like this, or uh, source analysis and judging whether a source is, is credible or you know and, and i often get asked that brings me to this i often get asked well what sources can we trust and and my answer is mm. is always none of them
0: right there's <laughs> no
1: one source you know there's no there, i can not Yeah. You know, there's no source that i can name that you can you know just trust you know to provide 100% accurate information because nobody does myself That's right. included i make mistakes uh, and, and when people point them out to me i go back and fix them um, and acknowledge my errors. So, you know, oh, we're all fallible. And yes, the idea that there's just certain infallible, you know, sources out there like the WHO or the CDC and, and whatever they say, whatever they declare is, is absolute truth. I mean, this is nonsense. And um, and, and the, the fact that the fact checkers are treating us like, you know, <laughs> like children who need to be. I know. You know not, not exposed to all kinds well, of Well, I think the key
0: is what you are, an independent journalist. So that means you have no powers above you, correct? That can shut you up, that can stop you from reporting?
1: Precisely. I yeah. don't, I don't have anyone one. to answer to when I'm doing my writing. Uh, I'm not being paid any... Um, yeah, occasionally I do. I do do freelance work. And uh, as, you, yeah. as you may know, I, I'm a collaborator with Children's Health Defense. But um, yep. you know, I've been mo- for the most part, I nobody pays me any salary, wage, commission, fee. The, the, my, my work is... Entirely that's funded huge. through um, readers who who just they appreciate what I do and they value my work and, and they they donate to, to, to keep me going. Um, so I, I have no you know no one to answer to and so I. And that's huge. Yeah.
0: That's huge. I mean, I've been fighting this fight since the death of my daughter back in 1999 and been on many radio shows and that and been told by journalists how they could not report. I remember the first. A uh, lady in South Florida when I noticed the little boy on the television walking like my baby girl just from vaccine injury. She was labeled autistic, of course, and I lost her from the animal viruses and the vaccines uh, 10 days after her fourth birthday. But anyway, when I spoke to the reporter who, re- who had interviewed this little boy I saw on TV that was walking, had the same gait as my daughter, um, she told me, she said, I couldn't report all the things I found about what the hepatitis B vaccine was doing to children. And so having that independent status, you, you said on the video that I watched that you went to Taiwan. Was it, uh, where, where did you, what other part of the country or the other country you went to that, to start looking at outside sources to validate your writings?
1: Yeah, I, I went to Taiwan. Um, it, and i had left for taiwan right after 9 11 Mm. i bought my plane ticket like two weeks prior to that event and and um Mm -hmm. that's really kind of what prompted me to really start digging and researching on my own and i I kind of you know just started discovering the internet really for the first time at that Mm. time and and um you know spending a lot of time just just researching because you know of course we were told you know you know, at the time I was naive enough to ask myself, well, why would people do this? And, um, you know, even though I, was, I considered myself to be more well aware and educated and, and up to speed with current events and things than most people. But at the same time, I was, I was that naive where I asked myself that question. And of course, the answer we were given was, well, they hate our freedoms. And I, that did not satisfy me. So I just started digging and researching and reading books. And, um, and that set me down that path of you know doing independent journalism and foreign policy. And then, of course, in, after 2012, um, actually, I started researching vaccines really heavily, um, you know, around the time, well, when, when my wife got pregnant, actually, and then it took me a few years of like really deep diving into the literature before I actually started publishing anything about it, um, because of, obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of intimidation in terms of, you know, speaking out about this issue, and I just wanted to make sure that I, I had enough of a knowledge base before I even started to be able to, uh, you know, comment intelligently and make sure that everything I'm saying was, you know, very well referenced and sourced. And um, it's huge. Yeah, so it did it, it take me a couple of years after that to get going. But uh, now, I mean, that's just essentially between that and COVID-19, that's, just, that's all I have time for, is to focus on those two issues. Well,
0: thank you. Thank you so much. And I so wish you were around 20 years ago because, you know, I was the victim of all victims. And, and, and I'm surprised to hear that on in other countries, we have, you, everything's not censored like it is here (laughs) Mm -hmm. sounds like you had access to real truth over in Taiwan, Taiwan.
1: Well, Uh, you know, it was leaving the propaganda system and and kind of just, and and, and then again, just relying, you know, I wasn't bombarded. I wasn't watching the TV news every night or reading the the American newspapers and things. I was just, I was just getting information from all kinds of different sources all around the world. And that was really it.
0: That's powerful. So basically you help people learn how to think because that's the biggest problem is we just blindly trust, like you said, the media, um, in my case, my pediatrician who told me Casey would die if I didn't vaccinate her. Um, yeah. we trust these people without having the knowledge of you know, all, how the, the drug companies fund these, you know, financial incentives to the pediatricians and to the schools and to the, you know, it's all about the root of all evil, the, the love of money. And, and it's all about control. And that's the same thing with this COVID. I mean, the COVID-19 is a joke. I mean, it's a total joke on how they are propaganding for the vaccination, for everybody to get the the poison or the artificial intelligence uh, injection is what it's going to be. I mean, they're literally, you know, going to be, you know, injecting uh, you know, changing the genetic makeup of people—they're—they're they're trying to turn people into their iPhone. Is what I tell. What I've learned, you know. And this is just stuff that I've learned, you know. Like I said, for twenty years, I've been around for a real long time, um, exposing what I had to learn the hardest way possible, which is the death of my first child. Um, how? How old is your son?
1: He's eight now.
0: Awesome, awesome. And I'm sure okay. you're wise enough to not have made the mistake of uh, poisoning him, right?
1: Yeah, we
0: don't regret our. You have to learn, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, uh, but I do have uh, just to, just to update you on my 20 and my 24 year old who are not vaccinated. Casey was my first that I had to learn the truth, and then of course I now have two young adults without vaccines, and it's unbelievable how their immune systems are the way that they were created to be and um and I'm not worried right. about them getting covid. <laughs> I'm not worried right. about them getting
1: You you, COVID. you just nailed it when you said, you know, that, that their immune systems are the way they were created to be. I mean, because if you think about the whole the, the parent the whole paradigm of vaccination, yep. you know, there's there's kind of this this implicit underlying assumption that we were all created that you know, whether you believe in god or whether you believe in in you know nature, yeah, that we were created um, mm-hmm. You know, we, whether it be God or evolution, we, we, we were created to, um, you know, without a properly functioning immune system so that we all require this right. pharmaceutical intervention from the very first day of our lives with the hepatitis yep. B vaccine in order for our immune systems to work you know, know. effectively to protect us. I and mean, this is nonsense.
0: And it's the a whole... bloodborne pathogen. It only can be transferred through IV drug use, sexual activity, or blood transfusion. And they're giving it to newborn babies before they leave the hospital.
1: Right, an aluminum-containing vaccine. <laughs> exactly. when, when they when they do screening to determine whether the mother's a carrier,
0: oh, so they know God.
1: beforehand whether it, you know, it was even worth considering. But and yet, and interestingly, you know, you look at the CDC's reason for that. Of course, there's there's no scientific basis for that. It was mm-hmm. the, the reason for that was entirely political. And the reason was that they couldn't. It wasn't enough demand for the vaccine among the people among adults who are at a higher risk. Exactly. And so they said, "Well, you know, we have to solve this problem of, of low vaccine uptake. We're not achieving our our vaccination rate uh, uh, political goal here. So we're just going to vaccinate all infants at birth, and that'll solve that problem." And it's literally that is literally the the rationale for um, the the hepatitis B vaccine at birth. I mean, it's it's so you know uh, it, it's it's outrageous. It's outrageous it and if is you, if you question and if you question that you know you're you're some kind of loon you know you're anti-science for, I for know. questioning the, the, I know. the wisdom of that i mean this is what's happening this is the thing people just are not aware there's so many mm-hmm. people who just don't understand what's happening uh you know and they believe you know vaccines they believe this the marketing slogan vaccines are safe and effective oh yeah which, of course, is entirely meaningless. I mean,
0: well, listen, easy you're going to love this. Um, I don't know how much you've looked into our website or anything. I'm a nobody, by the way, but let me just give you a little bit of history here. Um, with, you know, again, Casey was born in 95. She passed 10 days after her fourth birthday in 1999. And, uh, when her dad, my mother even reminded me, I didn't remember this, but when I was pregnant with her, he worked at a chiropractic office and he walked in and said, you know, Dr. John and Dr. Frank are telling us to look into the vaccines. And my response was, I would never be a negligent mother and not vaccinate my child. Just like you said,
1: Right? we, we
0: just think they're the best thing since sliced bread, you know, <laughs> you just have to vaccinate everybody. We'd be dead, you know? <laughs> Um, But anyway, I created, after Casey passed away, um, I didn't create it. I believe it was a higher power that created. But I started telling people my, my story and my journey and how Casey passed away. And, you know, two years after I stopped her vaccinations from all the witch's brew, I call it, that was in her bloodstream that I blindly held down and allowed them to inject her with. So I started telling people, and they looked at me like I had three heads. So I started praying and I called my cousin, Wendy, who worked at Crooks Printing, and I said, we have to create something that just pulls down that brainwashed wall that vaccines are, you know, are the best. And, and, and she called her graphic artist, And I don't know if you've seen our educate before you vaccinate business card with all the ingredients on the back of it. I don't believe I've seen that, no. Oh, really? Because everybody calls over the last 20 years. I have this card. I've had in my wallet for 11 years. So I tell people over the last 20 years, plant the seed and God will grow the seed because we send them out, me and now my mother is sending them out. um, Just to plant seeds to give people, like if Ronnie would have came in with that card when I was pregnant with her, at least I would have seen the poison in the vaccinations and I would have had a website to go to to find the truth. Instead of just accepting blindly the, the immunologist pediatrician that told me she would die if I didn't vaccinate her. You know, that right. they use fear right. to get you to do it. Well, um, you
1: fear and intimidation. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of doctors are expelling parents right. from their practice for, for not following orders.
0: Yes. And they did that with my son. They told me they could no longer treat him if I didn't vaccinate him. And then that's when I opened my eyes and I'm like, hello, I pay this guy i didn't right. they didn't hire me. I hired him. Right. I'm like, I'm not gonna come back and see you again. And so and what
1: it, is the state doing being involved in that doctor-patient relationship and dictating to doctors how they're supposed to practice medicine?
0: Exactly, exactly. But then I started going down the rabbit hole of seeing the financial incentives the drug companies give the pediatricians. Right. And that's why they didn't want my son anymore.. <laughs>
1: I'm sure and, there's- and, Yep, there's the financial incentives and just the career incentives that, you know, they know if they speak out. I mean, look at what happened to Dr. Paul Thomas.
0: Exactly. You know, we're
1: gone, right? They lose, they just, lose everything. Just, just license. Right after publishing a study showing how his unvaccinated kids have much lower rates of diagnosis of right. all kinds of health problems.
0: Right. Exactly. And and also, they also re- uh, stopped requiring or probably never even uh, even began requiring pediatricians to report vaccine reactions. There's no law mandating them. So, for instance, if my vaccinated daughter went into a pediatrician, you know, it would be bronchitis with this cough. It would be bronchitis, whereas if Corey, my unvaccinated, if I would have brought him to the same pediatrician, it would have been pertussis. <laughs>
1: Right. 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 And yeah. So, there's, the, there's, the, there's that bias there, too. Yeah. Or right. they don't even consider like, well, no, he's vaccinated for tetanus, He can't possibly.
0: Exactly. It's, it's that, that's else. how. I know that's how that's how unaware people are. And that's why I so appreciate your writing. And I'm really hoping if it's, you know, uh, if it's, you know, father's will for me to complete this book, he's had me write for 20 years now, uh, starting with a journal of my daughter's death. Um, I would love to get your expertise because I'm so not a book writer. And uh, I have a lot to share <laughs> of just the awakening because I'm the average person out there, right. you know, the ones that you are obviously very anointed to, you know, to break through and disarm their misinformation that they've been brainwashed with and just give them the, you know, at least just plant the seed of truth that that they can look on their own if they choose, you know.
1: Right, right. And, you know, I, I love that um, that, that uh, expression, that, that phrase, that educate before you vaccinate, because it really goes to the heart of the issue here. I mean, it's, of course, we're dismissed as, you know, the anti-vaxxers. If you dare speak out or question or dissent from, uh, you know, the, the CDC schedule, if you don't agree to, you know, strictly comply with the schedule, maybe you'd want to skip the hepatitis B vaccine and do all the other ones, but you're still an anti-vaxxer, right? All this nonsense. I know. But, you know, it, it just goes right to the heart of, a, it speaks right to the problem, which is, uh, you know that the lack of informed consent, and the and the war that they are waging against our informed consent that has been escalating and escalating, mm. um, and this is what it's really about. This is what they don't want people to, to understand and to talk about. So they use these labels to just dismiss anyone who dares to question or criticize. Um, but it, it's really about public vaccine policy i mean personally i mean there there are people who are you know you could literally call them anti-vaccine I'm, I'm not one of them i I have no problem with vaccines per se i mean they're a product they're on the market um what i have a problem with is you know people can choose to use them or not but what i have a problem with is, is the policies that favor the vaccine industry such as you know the, the legal immunity granted to the vaccine manufacturers and and the, the state mandates that the children must receive you know the vaccines according to the CDC schedule in order for the to receive a public education and all these coercive policies that are in direct violation of, of the right to informed consent you can't have informed consent when, when there's these coercive uh, measures in place these coercive policies right. in place and so that that really is my problem I'm a critic of public vaccine policy and mm-hmm. uh, it, this is you know I think uh, this is an important point that we need to communicate. Um, to, to the masses is that this is the problem. The problem is the policies. If you get, if you get the government out of the way, then the problem will solve itself. And uh, so that's, we need to address these policies and, um, and it, we're, it's, it's a fight for our, for our right to inform consent.
0: Absolutely. On our card underneath the educate before you vaccinate, we have your children, your choice, your rights, and we're gonna change it a little bit the next printing. We've been advised by a donor that's helping us print more cards um, to add some uh, specifics about the COVID-19 injection. So we're going to be changing the new printing. But, the, you know, your choice, your choi- your children, your rights are what we had on there for 20 years now. And, um, you know, it, it arms them to be able to make an educated, educated choice, you know, because everything, Jeremy, that we've been told about the vaccinations, and I'm sure you will if you don't already know, everything is a lie, everything. They say that they eradicated diseases. I show the charts in my presentation. I started publicly speaking uh, shortly after Casey passed away um, and and speaking the truth with love. The first slide is her picture. And uh, just showing all the misinformation. For instance, you can go to school without them because we're told in West Palm Beach, Florida, no shots, no school, no kidding. And it's not true. My daughter graduated high school, Faith, my 20-year-old, with not one vaccine. I mean, it's simply not true. We're told they eradicated diseases like polio and pertussis and all that. But I also show from Neil Z. Miller's books, Vaccines Are They Safe and Effective or something like that, um, the, the, the diseases were coming down because of better sanitation and nutrition way before the introduction of the vaccination.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's something that's acknowledged in, in pediatrics, for example, the AAP's journal. Um, you know, in 2000, 2000 or 2001, a, p- a paper, a good quote from that, they acknowledged that 90% of the uh, decline in infectious disease mortality occurred in the first half of the, the 20th century before vaccines could possibly before. help to explain it.
0: Exactly. And I was even stopped in my presentation one time and by a nurse, and she said, hold on. We see these same charts in medical school, but only from where they introduced the vaccine down.
1: Right. Yeah, they show where the vaccine came in, and then they show the decline after that and say, oh, look, this is a causal relationship. I mean, so it's if- misinformation. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and precisely the type of misinformation they accuse us of. Exactly.
0: No science, no science. Well, Robert F. Kennedy does a great job on exposing how there's been absolutely no science in 30 years. <laughs> I mean, when you start looking into it, it's so transparent. Well, this um, is our demand,
1: isn't it? They, should, they need to start doing the science.
0: <laughs> um, but they can't, Jeremy. They, if they do it, they're oh. going to, you know, point the finger at themselves, you know. Pediatricians are vaccine clinics. I mean, when I was a little girl, I'm 56, am I 5, 4, where are old? In the 50s. And I, if I went to a family doctor. There weren't pediatricians. These pediatricians are vaccine clinics. They would not have a job without them. This is and the, whole purpose of
1: the baby well visits.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Load you up with more poison. I know. And the number of vaccines, too, I show in the presentation how they've gone from like four that you and I got to, or maybe you a little more. I'm, I'm in my 50s. You're probably what, in your 40s, 30s? Yeah, I'm 43. 40s, yeah. So they've slowly increased from like three or four to now 72 by the time they're 18, you know, months of age. I mean, it's just, and and vaccinating for, like we said, hepatitis B, uh, rotavirus, which is a joke, um, all these things. And now with this, you know, the the mega vaccine, not even a vaccine, I can't even call what they're doing with this COVID a vaccine because it's not a vaccine. It's an injection. It's a poisonous injection that's going to change your genetic makeup. It's going to turn you into artificial intelligence. That's their goal. And and, and Bill Gates, hello, Gates of hell, I call him. Um, I mean, it's it's just it's crazy their agenda, uh, you know, and how how people are just sheeple. I mean, most people are just th- this mask wearing and all the social distancing and just Everything through my 20 years of of over 20 years of experience is just is just the prelude to just, you know, shutting down the world from flying or going to a basketball game, football game, you know, anything into a grocery store without showing a, a certification of vaccine identification, which is what COVID stands for.
1: Yeah, uh, on the mRNA, vaccines. Um, of course, what you hear is that because the mRNA doesn't enter the cell nucleus and therefore it won't it can't integrate with our with our DNA. However, I read an interesting article just the other day that pointed out that you know RNA, um, what, what something through a process called reverse transcription or reverse transcriptase, uh, if it, it you know can um, essentially you know the RNA it gets turned into the DNA through this process um, it gets written into DNA. And then of course that then can potentially, uh, you know, actually incorporate itself into your DNA. And the the other thing that they're, they're not talking about is is epigenetics. And so just, even though something might not necessarily alter your, your DNA doesn't mean it doesn't affect your genetic expression. So you can have genes that are either active or inactive on or off. And and we have no idea what what types of, you know. genetic expressions are going to be uh, altered by, by vaccinations. And, you know, any kind of environmental exposure can, can affect your gene expression. And um, so, there, yeah, there are these, these, these concerns. And, and, and also just, you know, like uh, the, the other thing is that, you know, they say well, that the RNA just is quickly, is broken down real quickly. But the thing is, is they, they deliberately design it because uh, to have, you know, this, this lipid, um, you know, it's kind of encased in this, uh, th- this material, that allows it to um, to stop it from getting degraded very rapidly, so that it has time actually to get into the cell and start yeah. producing the, the spike protein, and in order to st- you know stimulate that Im- immune response, and so they're protecting it so that it do- it doesn't break down right away. And so um, you know, it, it, how well did they study that? You, you know, it, is it going to break down? How after how long is it going to take before your cells stop being factories for for the, the spike protein and what if it, what if it doesn't, what if it doesn't shut down and, and right. what's the risk of autoimmune disease with that? Right. So there's all these questions that uh, we really haven't had a good, clear straight mm-hmm. answers to. No. Nope. Um, yeah.
0: It's been an experiment I've learned, Jeremy. Um, it's been an experiment since the late 1700s because, you know, like I said, vaccines, because I don't even consider COVID a vaccine. Like I said, it's going to be a poisonous injection to just, you know, totally turn you into your iPhone. But all the other ones, all the ingredients I have on my card, not only the mercury, the formaldehyde, the aluminum, the antifreeze, the MSG, the polysorbate 80, the glyphosate. The most important I show in my presentation, and I don't know if you know, if you know about this, um, is the animals. They, they use live mediums to make this concoction. Uh, like my baby girl, Casey, she had severe levels of stealth monkey viruses from the African green monkeys they used to make the polio vaccine. Um, And I had her tissue and her blood tested when she was on life support by a holistic pediatrician. And that's two of the slides I show in my presentation are Dr. John Martin's results of my baby girl. And, you know, this was two years after I stopped it. So what they do is they do what's called serial passage. They use the animal like a monkey or like a jugular of a horse with the DPT vaccine. They use MMR. They use aborted fetal tissue. So they use this medium. And then they weaken the, the in the kidney of the monkey like 50 times serial passage. They weaken the so-called disease, and then they add all this witch's brew of heavy metals that you know there's been absolutely no study on what aluminum and mercury mercury can do together and formaldehyde. You know what I'm saying? Um, bypass in our creator's defenses. You know, Father gives us fever, vomiting, diarrhea. We have purging mechanisms when it comes to the nose or the mouth that his, 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 you know, his exposures to toxins and that's why we vomit or have diarrhea or run fever. Those are his natural, the created responses from the body. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're bypassing all that and straight to the bloodstream injecting all this stuff. And we're wondering why almost every other child today is autistic. And this is before the COVID, you know, this is what I've been fighting for 20 years now. (laughs) Many of us have a vaccine injured children, you know, in in honor of our unvaccinated children, because a lot of parents have chosen to abstain from making this mistake again because we had to learn through, you know, our first child. Um, And uh, it's just so much misinformation. And that's what I've been doing since Casey's passing. And we just we have to get it out there. I mean, but you're the expert, I guess, on trying to penetrate that, you know, that feeling of you know, the government, how could they want to hurt us? I thought they were good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And,
1: and, and, you know, I don't, I'll take a conspiratorial view on that. I think it's just, you know, if we understand the institutionalized biases that exist, um, you know, and this goes back to, I mean, back when I was writing about, you know, like speaking out against the Iraq war, like before the war, so it's saying that there wasn't, there's was no evidence of weapons of mass destruction. And, um, so you see, look at, you know, you look at, the intelligence community, for example, as an example, and how it's easy to understand how you know people at the time in in you know lower down people in, in the in the intelligence community, they knew what type of information the White House wanted, and so they knew if they if they pr- could produce that type of information, it would be very good for their careers. Whereas they also you know they, they knew that if they didn't produce the type of um, you know intelligence uh, analysis that that the White House was looking for. That, that wasn't going to be very good for their careers and so there's just these institutionalized biases and these incentives that exist um, and if we understand how these systems work it's 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 easy to see how it can be that we're just being constantly lied to constantly. because of, because there's political agendas and there's financial agendas and we need to we need to uh, consider those biases when, when we analyze information yeah um, and you had you had something about the different routes of, of, uh, of exposure between you know the, the wild virus and, and vaccine and that, that's a really good point because you know there's this misunderstanding that you know what we're told if you read the CDC vaccine information it's just statements for example they'll say that you know the, the vaccine stimulates the same kind of immunity you'd get from from the wild virus only without having to develop symptoms and that's completely false that's a lie it's a lot uh, the, the vaccine does not confer the same type of immunity as, exactly. as infection does and and so there's opportunity costs. So, for example, uh, with the, with measles is a good example of this, where uh, you know mothers, vaccinated mothers today, are less well able to confer passive uh, maternal immunity to their to their inference because because exactly. of the inferiority of, of the vaccine conferred immunity compared to uh, immunity they would have otherwise acquired from, from infection during childhood. Um, so there's there's these opportunity costs to consider. And so let, let's think about that in terms of the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, what if this vaccine doesn't prevent transmission like uh, like you know uh, natural immunity uh, appears to be doing a, quite a good job of once people become infected and they recover, they, they no longer are carriers. they, they no longer uh, contribute to the transmission chain. Um, what if that's not the case with the vaccine? They haven't been they haven't been shown to prevent transmission. And so what uh, what could end up happening is the vaccine could actually end up prolonging and worsening the pandemic. Um, right. and that's just that's just looking at one possible opportunity cost. Uh, and and there are lots of others to consider. The DTP vaccine is another really good example of the whole cell pertussis vaccine that is no longer Mm -hmm. used in the U.S. anymore, but it's very widely used around the world in developing countries. And and Mm -hmm. the best studies today show that that vaccine is associated with an increased risk of uh, increased rate of childhood mortality. It appears to, uh, even though it might protect children from the target diseases, it increases the it detrimentally affects their immune systems in a way that makes them more vulnerable to other diseases, and so that, that it actually negatively impacts the mortality rates. So this is this is an opportunity cost. You know that uh, that yes, being exposed to pathogens can be dangerous for some people in some circumstances. Um, you know, measles is a good example, and it, again, uh, in the developing world. It, malnutrition is, is the predominant reason why. I mean, there's other factors, but right. malnutrition is a very big one of why it's, it, it, is such, it has, does have such a high death rate in the developing countries. But in, in developed countries like the U.S., in the U.S., before the vaccine, the, 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 the mortality rate was 1 in 10,000, the exactly. infection fatality rate. 1 in 10,000. Exactly. And they
0: low. have lifetime immunity. And they had
1: lifetime that, immunity, and RTA. that's exactly what protected infants because there was this maternal passive immunity, exactly. and so the infants were protected. Elderly people were protected, right. and so there was this kind of that there was a natural herd immunity that didn't mean that the disease right. wasn't transmitting, but it, the but children who who are at very low risk from from measles were the ones. It, it constrained the age of infection to to you know s- school age children, exactly. which protected those at highest risk, and that is a form of natural immu- uh, herd that's immunity. Right.
0: Right. You want your children to get chicken pox. When my children were young, I was wanting them to get exposed to it because then they have permanent lifetime immunity and they're not deadly diseases unless you have a compromised immune system. And, and, and that goes back to Antoine Bichamp versus Louis Pasteur's research where Louis Pasteur's, where the drug companies saw money, dollar signs behind germs cause disease. And then they came out with, you know, antibiotics, came out with vaccinations. But nobody tells you that on his deathbed, he says, you know, Antoine Bichamp was right. It's the cellular terrain. It's the strength of your immune system. If you have an unvaccinated, strong, created, you know, immune system, you can fight off these things. And that's why I'm not worried about my unvaccinated children getting COVID because... COVID is just, you know, the ones that are even dying. And I know you have that in your article that I was reading, um, how the, the statistics are a joke. They're they're totally, you know, people that have a car accident died of COVID. I mean, it's it's right. it's it, it's just, it's manipulated numbers that people are just, you know, even when I walked into a post office and everybody had masks on, because I have not and will not wear a face diaper, because um, it's just a part of the whole, you know, the whole propaganda. But anyway, as I'm standing in the post office, I, I'm just telling people, stop watching the news. They're lying. They're bought and paid for by the drug companies. Every other commercial's a drug. I mean, wake up, people. How can you not see this? It just blows my mind.
1: Right. Yeah. Speaking of chickenpox, I did have chickenpox as a child, but that doesn't. But uh, unfortunately, even though it's true, like you said, that, that typically in the pre-vaccine era, that would mean that you have you have lifelong immunity. And right. I may I may still have lifelong immunity just from that, that childhood exposure. However, it does wane over time. And so what, another fact, factor to consider is the loss of natural boosting effect from exactly. the fact that we if it wasn't for the mass vaccination, we would be re- re-exposed on occasion. Which would be a natural boosting effect, and so because of this loss, even for people who, who did experience chickenpox as children, mm-hmm. um, there's there's now an increased risk of shingles because they're not getting that That's natural right. ex, what's called an exogenous boosting
0: mm-hmm. because
1: of because of the mass vaccination. So now they are at greater risk of getting shingles. And so what's the what's the government's solution to that? Do they reconsider their the, the, the foolishness of their varicella vaccine policy? No, they they just added the the shingles vaccine. Shingles vaccine, right? <laughs> So it's it's mass insanity, and it, so they create these cycles of disease, and also um, you know the, the 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 benefits of natural immunity. I mean, there, there's benefits. I mean, there's numerous studies, for example, showing that infection with with you know, during childhood, childhood infections are associated with reduced risk of uh, various numerous other illnesses. In fact, measles is a really again measles is such a good example of this. Again, that like for example, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, reduced risk of various types of cases. Right right. Uh, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, various types of tumors, um, reduced risk of Parkinson's disease. One study, I mean, there's they have these what's called non-specific effects uh, of vaccines. Vaccine, there's a term in the literature called non-specific effects that vaccines can have in DTP, mm-hmm. uh, that the mortality, an increase in mortality, childhood mortality is an example of that. But there's there's also beneficial. You know, what, we can adopt that same term for, for infection and say, you know there's beneficial non-specific effects of infection they, they really do have a, an effect I mean essentially we require these immune challenges as children in order for our immune system to develop as, as you say properly that's right you know to develop and, and be strong and to function the way we were designed to be function uh, for them to function and uh, you know if you, can, if you think about it vac- vaccination the whole the whole concept is that they want to program the immune system to function differently from yeah. how it would function if you had a uh, natural immunity. And, and of course they tell us it's the same type of immunity, but that, again, that's, that's completely false. It's, it's, uh, um, they, 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 the live, and this is another thing is because you have the, the non-live vaccines, you know, they use the word live loosely because the virus is really technically maybe not a living thing, but um, so we have live and non-live vaccines. And so the live vaccines do uh, confer an immunity that is closer, it's more similar. To what you would you would get from you know have experiencing the infection, but uh, you know the, the the non-live vaccines, and so we have to consider the COVID nineteen vaccine as a non-live vaccine because uh, yeah, they might not apply that term technically, but you know just in layman's terms, because they're not you know you're not being exposed to the whole the whole SARS CoV two virus. Whereas if, if you were infected with SARS CoV two, you know there are numerous epitopes on on that virus, numerous um, you know like parts of the virus that are Immune system recognizes and responds to. When, for example, when we create antibodies. There's also cellular immunity that's different from antibodies, uh, and that's very, very important for for you know immunity to SARS-CoV-2. Many studies on this now. Um, and so you're getting this full, robust immune response. Whereas with the vaccine, all you're getting is you're you're they're are picking out the one epitope. They're picking out one antigen component of of the SARS-CoV-2 virus and saying, you know, we're just gonna Try to stimulate antibodies to the spike protein, and that's it. So you're missing this whole other array of you know immune responses, and so you know that too is also going to have opportunity costs. And it is very easy, you know, we can we can assume from that basis that you know the, the type of immunity that you would get from the vaccine will not be anywhere near as robust uh, as the immunity you would get from
0: infection even back to the finances, I mean, I'm sure you know, they just to get the diagnosis, give a diagnosis of COVID, they're getting like in the teens, like 13 or whatever, $15,000. And then to put them on a ventilator, another 20 or 30,000. I mean, it's all about the love of of money. I mean, the love of all evil, the, the root of all evil, the love of money. That's their God, unfortunately. They, you know, they totally, you know, use the finances to get people to just, you know, totally comply. And it's just... It's just a crazy situation, Um, but, uh, you know, we we definitely, I don't know, when you look into our website, our treatment link, um, my late husband, Gary Tunsky he was all about the cell, what in the cell is going on is the name of the CD and the book he was writing ever since I met him. Um, the only reason he passed is because he abused steroids for about 15 to 20 years before I met him. I found out two days after he passed, so he had he did irreversible damage. He was Mr. Western USA, but he was absolutely brilliant about the cell, and what he has another a book and a CD called The Battle for Health is Over PH that we've been given out for free both the CDs and his book because it's such divine wisdom on the simplicity of the body the human body is made up of trillions and trillions of cells and when they malfunction we malfunction but the drug companies of course throw a label on it diabetes cancer heart disease arthritis fibromyalgia whatever it is because they have lots of drugs and a lot of vaccines that they come up with money making things but it roots down to the one disease disease he used to say which is cellular malfunction and there's only two causes compounding toxicities and compounding insufficiencies to the cell. So from the vaccines, of course, is the underlying, because that's blood poisoning straight within three hours of birth. And then what you eat, you breathe, you drink on top of the vaccinations, compounding toxicities and compounding insufficiencies to the cells. So we promote a 21-day cellular cleanse that my husband, uh, very divinely and, you know, very meticulously created to flush the kidney, the liver, the gallbladder, the lymph, the blood, the colon. Uh, it even has a heavy metal chelator that pulls out the blood brain, past the blood brain barrier, the heavy metals. And we see these disease DC labels, labels disappear just by cleaning up the cells and cleaning up the body.
1: Yeah, cellular function is so important, and you know this is one of the things that, you, like, for example, the U.S. government has acknowledged that children with mitochondrial disorders, mm-hmm. vaccines can uh, can cause fevers, which can cause encephalopathy, brain, mm-hmm. brain damage, uh, manifesting as symptoms of autism. This was mm-hmm. the government conceded this in in a, a vaccine injury compensation program case. That's so, right. With That's
0: right, but I've actually realized, and um, that even those, even the the genetic uh, precursors are from generational vaccine damage. They've been vaccinating since the late seventeen hundreds.
1: Right, because epigenetic changes, uh, you know, these genetic changes that, that occur. I mean, it used to be. I remember i remember learning about genetics and, and like for example in an anthropology class in college and it was very at the time it was kind of like this whole nature versus nurture argument and things and, and what we learned at, what we learned at the time i mean it was just so basic and simplistic and wrong and, and, the, the idea that you're kind of just born with this your dna and and that's just the dna you have for the rest of your life but the fact is that our our, our genetic makeup is is changing it's it's not just like written in stone and and um you know and, and those changes are passed down obviously that's right not just in terms of like how evolution works and and mutations and things like this, but but epigenetic changes are passed on. That's right. And you know, gene activation uh, um, signaling is passed on, and so. Uh, yeah, there's there's all these effects, and you really consider. I mean, they're really are performing a mass, uncontrolled experiment on the human population.
0: Absolutely, and that's with everything over the years. Down syndrome is a is a genetic vaccine damage. Um, multiple sc- uh, multiple dystrophies, a vaccine genetic thing. Um, all of these are you know babies born with extra hands and 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 organs or whatever. All of that is just generational. You know, to the bloodstream, straight to the bloodstream, poison, you know, and genetic material from animals and, and just all the witches' brew that's in vaccinations. Um, and, and that's really, like I said, what I've been doing for 20 years now. But now, like you, you know, this is the end gamer here, the covid injection. I mean, this is what you know, this is their main agenda for all these years of damage in our children and humanity, for that matter. Um, you know, these are the families that own the drug companies. Let's not blame the drug companies because they're owned by families. <laughs> and, and these families um, are literally, you know, they're the one behind this whole COVID. I mean, Fauci, they're all just, you know, I would call them ferret face. Um, they're all just puppets to the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. I mean, they're the ones that are pulling the strings. And this COVID vaccine, or ch- injection uh, any, even the test, I'm not. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what the PCR test is doing. Literally giving nanobots to people, and I mean it's crazy when you start going down the rabbit hole, Jeremy.
1: I don't uh, know about that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, um, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> uh, um, I know there's a lot of a lot of theory. I, I, I I've seen that uh, that theory. I don't I don't uh, subscribe to that one, but um. Yep. You know you get to this question of. The, the vaccine and, and the safety and you know another thing that we get you know talking about the potential risks they have, what about fertility that's does right. it have an, does it have an effect on fertility
0: absolutely of course
1: that's not studied and of course same with any of the vaccines that are licensed that's right uh, which which that's another piece of misinformation is that this vaccine is not licensed it is not fda approved and i keep seeing the media and in, in, in like state officials and things say that this is an approved vaccine. The state, of, the state of michigan says that this vaccine was approved the same way as, as all the other licensed vaccines you know and they list like you know measles and all the other ones well that's completely false they are not no licensed, they're not licensed they're not fda approved they're <laughs> authorized for emergency use that is different eua mm-hmm. you know emergency use authorization is the use of, of uh, an experimental vaccine that's it right remains experimental we don't have data from the clinical trials Yet showing that the vaccines are effective to prevent um, severe disease, hospitalization, or mortality. In addition to what I said earlier, we don't we don't have data showing that they prevent transmission. We don't have no data on long-term effects, obviously. Yep. Um, you know, and so, it, it, and the idea that that the studies that have you know that the trials that have been done to date, that the data we have from these trials to date is sufficient to say that this vaccine is safe and effective, that is absolutely insane. It is the data we have is totally insufficient. That's right. Any type of meaningful risk-benefit analysis with this vaccine.
0: That's right. Have you seen Event 201?
1: I'm familiar with it. I didn't watch, you know, there's a lot of videos. It's on our
0: front page. It's on our front page. (laughs) You want to check out our front page. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm very well aware of
1: it. Uh, Yeah.
0: yeah. They planned this. They've had the vaccine forever. It's just insane, the agenda, the the, the big agenda here.
1: I, I would disagree with you there, but...
0: That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I wish I didn't know this stuff, but it's been an honor. Um, it's been an honor listening to you, Jeremy R. Hammond. Um, Ant- Anthony Samaroff is who referred you. I'm hopefully gonna meet him soon. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's actually helping me uh with the book that I'm writing, uh, including my husband's information, the what in this cell is going on, if if that's the plan. Um, but anyway, uh Thank you. Um, you I, I thank would you like very you. Re- much. Yeah, we have a couple more minutes, so if you want to give people your website, sure. and this will be recorded for to be downloaded for anyone you want to share it with, and Excellent. just I thank you for not being a victim with your child, but speaking truth mm-hmm. and being a voice for the voiceless. Well, I,
1: I have to thank all the parents who came before me who who have been speaking out and you know just uh, making me aware of of the problems and the concerns and you know if it wasn't for parents like you who came before me in in speaking out and. Uh, and, and telling your stories, you know, I may never have even been Awakened to what was happening. And so, you know, I, I thank oh, yeah. everyone who came before me and helped me make a, a more informed choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, people can find me at jeremyrhammond.com. So, my middle initial in there. Uh, and you go ahead and just sign up for my newsletter, best way to keep in touch and stay up to date with my work. And you can also download that free report uh, you mentioned at the beginning five horrifying facts about the FDA vaccine approval process. Uh, very relevant for, for what's happening now with these warp speed vaccines. Yes. Uh, and so, again, Jeremy R. Hammond.
0: Thank you. Thank you for being a guest and thank you for Being obedient.
1: Thank thank (laughs) you very much for the opportunity.
0: Yes, and I'm going to keep dissecting your website and your videos, sir. God bless you. Thank you. You're listening to Vic Fellowship, and our shows can be accessed on the front page of our vacinfo.org website on the belly of a little boy flexing his muscles. We're on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Our contact number is 800 939 8227. We thank Progressive Radio Network for allowing us to give you this uncompromised truth, and ya bless.